0: Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from scottsbassessons.com and I'm back with another episode of the SBL podcast for you. And today we've got the mighty Deshaun Abrahams who is one of London's top call session players. He's played with guys like Leona Lewis, Kylie, the Sugar Babes, He's probably a ton of artists and you're going to find out more about that in this interview and you're going to find about out about how he actually moved from Perth over in Australia, that's where he's from, moved over to London and everything, you know, how he got onto the scene in London and how he worked his way into, into the position he is now where he is a first called session guy. Um, before we get into the interview, I also want to mention that we have just released or actually we're just about to release tomorrow we're going to release a brand new course into the Academy course library over at Scott's Base Essence. It's the Reading Charts Survival Guide. It's 19 super-focused step-by-step lessons over three hours of material. And in terms of importance, it is right up there. Tons of people ask me about, you know, reading notation, whether they should read music or not. And my answer is always, well, it depends. It depends on... You know, what your goals are, whether you want to be working in theatres and, you know, and that style of player or that type of player, getting those type of jobs, or whether, you know, whether you don't want to do that. Maybe it's not, you know, not something you want to do. There's plenty of guys out there that don't read notation and, you know, and, and are doing great. What I would say is that it's, I do advise that everybody gets some basic reading skills down in terms of reading notation, reading music, because it is a good skill to have. Um But reading lead sheets, reading charts, that's a completely different story. They are, to be able to read charts and re- read lead sheets it's an invaluable skill so if you're not doing it yet or you're a bit sketchy around the edges about it you're not really confident with reading charts this course is for you reading charts can absolutely open a ton of doors for you it can cut down you know the learning curve of so many things like I, sometimes i get called for a gig and I have, well, in the past, <laughs> sometimes 24 hours notice. And I've got to go in there and either create my own charts or read their lead sheets for sometimes, you know, 20, 30, 40 songs. Um, and being able to do that has opened up so many doors for me and not only being able to read other people's lead sheets and charts, but also being able to write my own. So it's, this isn't about no reading notation. It's a different thing. And a lot of people get confused with this. So if you do want to check that out, it's getting released tomorrow into the Academy course library. And just for you guys, for a super limited time, we've extended the 14 day trial. Okay. The 14 day free trial, we've extended that to 30 days, but you won't find it if you go to the website. You've got to use this special link that I'm about to tell you about now. Okay, so it's just for you guys. It's scottsbasslessons.com forward slash thirty, so three zero day. Okay, so scottsbasslessons.com forward slash three zero day. The word day, D A Y, and that will take you straight through. To the checkout where you can grab your, f- your 30 day free trial. So not only does that get you access to the full course that we're about to release tomorrow, it also gets you access to all of the other courses that we've done. Okay. There's hours and hours of step by step courses in there, scales courses, improvisation courses, Motown and groove courses. Everything is in there, but it also gets you access to all the live seminars that we do. Could we, we run a live seminar? Every single week with some of the best bass educators on the planet, and you also get access to the archive of all the seminars as well. I think we've got over a hundred, a hundred seminars in the archive. So that's over a hundred hours of material there with some of the best bass educators on the planet covering topics from improvisation, slap bass, how to cre- how to create bass lines. Um, from the shed to the stage, a ton of good stuff. So if you want to grab that 30-day free trial, just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash 30 day, 30 day. and And you'll be able to grab it there. Now, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, I'll send you all of my bass love if you subscribe and leave a review, as that really helps us get the word out about these interviews, guys. And I really think there's so much to be learned from listening to great bass players, such as the guests that we have on the show. And if you're listening to this anywhere else other than scottsbasslessons.com, make sure you shoot over to the site and check out the show notes for this episode, as I've put some fantastic videos up. Now, if you're completely new to Scott's Bass Lessons, go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. I put some really cool video resources that you can download on there and check out, like a bass buyer's guide. We've got um, a video where I talk about how to get gigs, great gigs, wherever you are in the world. So if you're moving to a new city or you're trying to break into the scene where you are. I- give you some great tips for that. We've got a Understanding the Modes mini course. We've got a backing track library. There's loads of stuff in there. It's totally free for you to download. Just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. And also, remember, if you're an Academy member over at scottsbasslessons.com, you can watch the entire video version of this interview as well, okay? We film the entire thing, as we do with all our podcasts. We film all of them. And if you're not already an Academy member, just go and check it out over at Scottsbassessons.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world. The step-by-step courses, live seminars every week, the largest online-based educational community in the world, and those guys are so, so supportive, and tons more, the whole nine yards. And we have a completely free 14-day trial for you as well, so you can take it for a test drive just to see if it's for you, and if you find it isn't, no sweat, you can cancel your account within the click of two buttons. Now, without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from ScottsBasicelessons.com, and I'm here with the amazing addition Abrams, who has been cool enough to come and hang out with us. And he's been in rehearsal all day with Kylie Minogue. So how long is how long is a rehearsal with Kylie Minogue?
1: Well, I suppose it varies, really. I mean, today was like sort of eleven till about five thirty. So
0: no, it's like a good day, you right? know? It can,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it can go longer, but it depends what's going on. And really, it, it's it, just abandoned at the moment. So oh, it's is it just abandoned? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not
0: getting your dance It's a bit down, more yeah.
1: involved as production and whatnot,
0: the full so. thing. Yeah, yeah, because those <laughs> yeah. shows are absolutely ginormous, aren't they? There's so many moving parts to the like right. in terms of, like you've played with like Kylie Minogue, you've played with Sugar Babes, um, Nicole Scherzinger, um, Leona Lewis, and like a host of other artists. Like, but they're all sort of like you know they're ginormous, right? So like in rehearsal, what's like the general when you start rehearsals to mm. when you go on tour? What's that yeah. what's that timeline like? Because I know loads of guys, I can remember when I was a kid, I didn't have any clue about, you know, that world and, and how a show like that is prepared for. Can you let the guys know kind of like the timeline that, that you've got to get your you know, get sure. your bits together and what the rehearsals look like and all the all the bits in between?
1: Man, you know what, it really varies. Like, for example, I think for Leona's last tour we did like four weeks maybe. Not even that, maybe three weeks. Um, but for, you know, there's been a, like Kylie tours that we've done six weeks, you know, yeah, um, yeah. there's been times where you, you know, you do one day's rehearsal for one gig or you do seven days rehearsal for one gig, you know, and yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah. Um, just did, um, the Festival last weekend with Fleur East. We had seven days, which is amazing, but it's literally, I mean, it's, it's two days cause it's V Festival, but like it's li- essentially it's one gig. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is great. You can really kind of um spend some time, get the band sounding proper, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are the
0: artists with the artists aren't with you to start with, are they? Like you get um, your stuff down no, as a band first? Generally
1: not, no. um Again, it depends on how much time who the artist is and that kind of stuff. But yeah, usually we get our stuff together and then they sort of come along and kind of see where we're at and try and just get themselves comfortable with. Singing all the songs and doing whatever else they need to do, whether it be choreography or whatever, you know, they need, they've, they've got a lot to think about. Whereas I just, you know, as you know, think about one note at a time, which is more than <laughs> enough for me. so
0: Yeah. So, like, just to sort of like fill the guys in, like, Dishing is sort of like one of the go-to session guys down in the, you know, in London. Uh, come on now. No, you are man. Like, like look at <laughs> look at the CV, man. But you're originally from Perth, right?
1: Yeah, from, all the way from uh, Australia, as you said before. Before we started, I I've, I've sort of the accent's definitely softened.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been yeah. out
1: here, but I don't know. I never really had a strong sort of Aussie twang, or maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe you did, but you've been I over here for I ten can't years, do the right? Difference, to be honest, it's just when people say to me, "Oh wow, you sound really different," or then I think, "Oh shit, have I sort of <laughs> you know betrayed my uh, my roots or something?" Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, like when, like when did? How old were you when you came over here? I uh, must have been about 24, maybe 23,
1: yeah, 23, 24.
0: And what were you doing over in Australia? Like, were you, like, pro musician? Did you do the whole music college thing? Like, let everybody know a bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, basically, all of the above, the above, really. I kind of um, studied for a bit um, at a college that I kind of dropped out before I finished it, unfortunately, which I still regret, actually, because it's, it's the only time of your life where you can spend loads of time practicing yeah, yeah, and yeah. working on your stuff without having any other responsibilities or rent or anything like that. You know, you're at home with your folks or whatever and you sort of, you know. But anyway, what happened was I was I started to gig a lot when I was at, at uni. So that kind of took over, um, you know, sort of getting home at 3, 4 in the morning and being at class at 9 a.m. was coming. <laughs> you know, it was taking its toll, to put it that way. And I kind of maybe naively i thought you know this is what i wanted to be doing
0: yeah
1: this is why i'm studying so i'll um i'll i'll leave the studying and and just carry on with that and see where it goes but you know looking back i can see the benefits of of what i would have got if i'd stayed and really applied myself but to be honest at that time i wasn't applying myself i wasn't i was studying jazz which something that i wanted to do to push myself but I, i never really sort of spent enough time kind of making it my thing you know and really yeah, yeah. getting inside of it um which really i i would benefit from a lot now if i had done that but it's it's cool i mean everything's sort of worked worked itself out in a way so
0: absolutely I kind of did that and then um like what were you into back then
1: what kind of music music yeah um lots of funk stuff i play lots of funk stuff i think i i i learned to play bass from playing along with with albums and pretty much all of that was was funk and stuff. Like yeah. Lots of Michelle. She's probably Michelle De is probably the biggest influence on my bass playing. I would yeah, say yeah. I, I spent a lot of time playing her albums and, um, you know, doing that thing of trying to get it feeling exactly like the right, right she so you, you know, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that whole thing. And I think that's that's how I learned. And I think I learned to play actually because I was playing in lots of bands at the time cover bands and stuff like that in and pubs and, and whatever. And I was always the worst player in the band, the youngest player in the band. And I think...
0: It's sometimes I was the really best place to be, man. To,
1: <laughs> absolutely, man. I was really open to getting my ass kicked. Like, I would actually ask players who I looked up to, like, what do you think I need to do? What do I need to work on? What what What's bad about my playing?
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Um, and they were very... Um, very Aussie about it. You know, it was like, mate... You know this, that, and the other. Yeah, I remember one guy telling me, "You're a passenger. You're such a passenger, man. You're a bass player. You need, you need to drive, drive the car." You know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I
1: was like, that had a big impact on me of just like not relying on a drummer, for example, or or relying on a keyboard player to sort of hide behind when you're playing a unison line that you can't quite nail at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, um, so as as sort of a teenager, that was I kind of through getting my ass (laughs) kicked a lot. I think. It helped me to sort of um, get a sound, you know. I think it's yeah, hard yeah. to sort of find your own sort of voice on any instrument, and um, I think that was sort of my, um, you know, going through the fire kind of thing. Was but I loved it, you know.
0: I yeah, really it's awesome, that. isn't it? And what was the scene like in uh, Perth um, at the time? Oh man, so many great
1: musicians out there, it's unbelievable. Yeah, because like,
0: like I know of the top med, like there's a great tenor sax player called Troy. Oh, man, I can't... Troy Roberts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So me and Troy were like best mates at college and like we, um, used to go around his place all the time. He's come my, my place. Um, we we're on the same year, you know, we were like honestly like, like best mates. Yeah.
0: Like he's a beast um, and what he's, he's
1: unbelievable.
0: Um, uh, Dane Alderson.
1: Like, Dane. Yeah. So he was the year below me at college. We all went to the same college. Um, yeah. yeah. And Dane, Dane's ridiculous. Like, I mean, Seeing him coming into college and being like, so sort of, he was really sweet and really timid and kind of almost apologetic and stuff, you know, very unassuming sort of dude. And then he would play and I was like, oh my good Lord, what what do we have here? <laughs> so um, yeah, in that year, it was myself, um, so Dane was there, um, a guy called Sam Manning, who's a double bass player, he's in, in New York now. And um it was just again, just more ass kicking every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day, yeah, yeah. Going yeah. to college with them. I remember we did this um there was this like bass concert, um, and we got up and played I think we played the chicken or no, we played something, a jacko tune. We all played it together and uh, took time soloing and stuff and um yeah, it was um actually I can't remember what the, the tune was. But um yeah, I remember just standing on the stage going, "This is just the best thing ever." <laughs> just three bases,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> and really sort of just kind of playing as much as we wanted without having to, you know, kind of do any sort of support supporting roles. It was kind of like, okay, that 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 was a nice dip into saxophone. World, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> it so it was like,
1: enough for me because you know I, that's not really my 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 love, you know, thing that I love doing. But um but yeah, so I kind of did that and. It, I mean also there's a guy called Andy Finston and the drama who was in that same year as Dane, he's incredible. Yeah, I've heard um, him, yeah, The, the, he, the he, sax yeah. player over here called Graham Blevins who's a couple of years above us. He's incredible. You know, so
0: And if anybody doesn't um, know, like Perth is the most isolated city in the world. Did you know yeah. that? Like it's 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 just and, out there, isn't it? You know, like, yeah.
1: has it always it's had like, a great it, music scene? If I didn't scene? know it, I would have felt like that because yeah. it does feel like that when you're out there, you know.
0: Has it always <laughs> it had a great really, music yeah. scene?
1: Um, I'm not sure, actually. I know that, the, the, for example, the guys who were lecturers at, at that college were insane musicians, jazz guys, and, and have yeah. been all around the world and kind of done their thing and um, done it at the kind of highest levels and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what, <laughs> it's bizarre, what's in the it's water. Crazy, man? There's
0: something in the water out there. Everybody, yeah. like, oh, he's from yeah. Perth. Don't even tell me about him. <laughs> I don't want to know. I get it. He's, he's a beast. <laughs> but like, how did you end up coming to London then? What what, what decision process went into that move? So
1: sort of between um, the times I was telling you about at college and stuff and and me going to to London, um, I was just playing in bands and stuff. And then I was playing in um, one original band that kind of, we started doing a lot of touring around Australia, which... You know, Perth being the most isolated city in the world is, is some long drives.
0: Yeah, yeah, I imagine Go that way. Yeah. You
1: know, we did a lot of touring around Australia and New Zealand, and things were going really well for us. And um, well, well, I say it was going well. It was going well for that sort of level. You know, it yeah, was yeah. like clubs and whatever. And, but um, it was just amazing. It was amazing. I kind of caught the bug for being in a band. You know, from being in that band, turning up. You know, knowing that we we, we would write and rehearse in you know the keyboard players and guitarists their brothers in their basement and then you turn up to clubs on the other side of the country and there's a line to come see you and people singing the songs it's just like
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: such, yeah. it was amazing it kind of uh, took me out of that whole kind of uh session sort of scene in a way because i was like i, I just want to do this but um anyway that band split up after a couple of years which is the usual sort of deal isn't it but uh, yeah. <laughs> unless something big happens it's it's tough to keep going. And um so because of that I sort of started a, a band with some of those guys, um, another band. And um so two of the guys that are in the band they're brothers and they are from England. Oh right, okay. So we started this band and kind of did a few bits and pieces around Perth and stuff and then they were like, We need to take we need to go back to England and kind of you know give this a shot, and I was like, yeah, I'm up for, I'm up for coming in and seeing, see what happens, and, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and then I um, sort of found myself here, and then after a little while, that sort of fell apart as well, and um, I found myself back to the session thing, um, which is, which is kind of what, in a roundabout way, leads me to now, really, it's sort of, everything's sort of gone from that point, and I haven't really done any original stuff since then, I haven't sort of dip my toe in that at all yeah, yeah, for, yeah. But something I, I'd like to do but you know it takes a lot of dedication and time and it's something that's it is better when you're younger to do that kind of stuff yeah you know? of
0: course yeah it's easier yeah. it's easier isn't it it's easier it's like definitely that, easier yeah
1: less yeah, ties yeah.
0: and stuff you know less ties yeah and
1: you, you just care less about sleep and <laughs> decent <laughs> yeah. food and kind of you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know being comfortable and stuff like that when you get a bit older you're like oh you know I'm quite tired you know yeah, <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah, I did enjoy that kind of, um, how, like when you moved to world. London,
0: how long do you, how long do you, did you feel like it, it took until you had your, like your feet under the rug as it were, you know, you were getting calls for the good gigs. Mate, I don't
1: even know if that ever happens. You know, I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but there is, there's no guarantee that you're always going to keep working, you yeah, know, absolutely. and I've never felt that, but, um, I think, um, it wasn't, it was literally about six weeks after that band split up that I went to an audition, um, which I didn't know what it was for. Actually another drummer from Perth, he was going there and he said, Oh mate, they're looking for a uh, rhythm sections. Do you want to come and play with me? Cause I've done a lot of playing with him back at home and stuff. Yeah. So it just made sense for us to play together. And, um, I wasn't invited to the audition or anything. I just kind of just went with him, tagged along. And I remember the guy who, um, he's now a really good friend of mine, a guy called Kojay Samuel. He's, um, he said, he came over to me he was like, kind of looking at this piece, piece of paper, which he obviously had everyone's names on. He was like, um, who are you? And I was like, <laughs> oh, um, I'm no one. I just came with, uh, with Jared, my friend Jared. So we're just going to play. And, um, <laughs> and, um, Fantastic. It, that was for the sugar babes. So I ended up getting that gig like from just kind of just turning up to an
0: audition yeah, 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 yeah. and
1: um, it kind of just went from there really after that I kind of did this French artist called Christophe Willem kind of spent best part of a year out in France kind of doing that which was, which was awesome, it was great fun yeah. and um, that's how I got into the Kylie thing because uh, Christophe's MDs were Kylie's MDs or are Kylie's MDs and um, they liked myself and the drummer. And put us onto to so that. So it was just then, that sort of like
0: you met some dude that he knew a dude, and then you met another guy, and he literally and just that, like that. Yeah, yep. yeah. There's no,
1: you know. Sometimes um, I haven't done many, but I've done a couple of like masterclass kind of things. Masterclass, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely master word. But um, you know, and then it's always like about four or five questions in before someone's like, so how how did you get the keys? <laughs> um, I'm always like, Matt, if you find out, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I yeah. don't know. You just do what you do. I think you just, you do what you do, don't you? And, and some people like you, some people don't. And and that's, that's how it works. You just got to follow that kind of uh, path of least resistance. And, yeah. Yeah. Be and see cool, what comes out the other take side. Take care
0: of business. And, right. You know, yeah. Keep your, you know, ear to the ground. Like yeah. in, in terms of your playing, how do you feel that your playing has, um changed from when you know for instance like when you first got that when you first came to L- london and then the band petered out and then you got the sugar Page gig mm. what how has your playing changed since then until now and what skills do you feel that you've need needed to really get down uh, yeah. with, with the change in musical environment you know in terms is, of sort of like a great you know, question. is that a good question that's hey. a great question
1: I think that's a really good question because um, there's times where I think, wow, I think I was a better player when I was at college, more technical like in terms of yeah, just facility and stuff. But I've definitely got better time now. My ears are definitely better. Um, I'm much faster at learning things. I think that's. I feel like that's that's kind of like my main thing at the moment is picking stuff up as fast as I can and keeping it in my head because yeah. I had. I had a real kind of um sort of anal approach to learning songs, and I'd make every single loop, like write stuff down and and all that kind of stuff and it's like sometimes it's counterproductive because you kind of end up spending so much time doing focusing so much on the bass that you don't actually learn the song
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and you you know you you could play that bass line you know by yourself. And it would be perfect, <laughs> but actually not playing the song, and you don't know the melody, and you don't know what's you know what I mean. Yeah, I think because yeah. I was, I think first of all when I first started doing the session thing, I was quite focused on doing a perfect job of playing bass. Yeah. You no, know, and I didn't, I wasn't at the stage where I kind of realised, oh, that actually is almost a byproduct of knowing the song really,
0: it, yeah. really well. Yeah, got you.
1: Yeah. You know, you can't sort of. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I have a totally, sort of, I guess, different approach to learning songs now. And I don't, I, I think you get a bit of anxiety when you have a system of, remember, of how you learn something. Yeah. And then someone's like, right, we're going to do this song today. And you're like, oh, but. Oh no! But I need to go to my room. Does it feel my system? And then I need to, <laughs> you know, I need to play it five times. And then I need to, you know I mean? yeah. And yeah. then I need to get the sounds right for it. And then, I, you know, I had, I, I, kind of had that. I think early on, and then I've kind of thankfully gotten over that. And and actually, it it's a lot faster when you don't do all that stuff. But I think you kind of, for me, I had to go through that. You know.
0: Yeah, like it's a learning process, isn't it? You've got to do it a ton of times before you sort of like come out the other side and realise that, yeah, like writing it down in your room and and rehearsing it over and over might not be the most productive way of moving forward.
1: Definitely not. No, I feel like listening to it over and over is is better than even playing through it, you know. Yeah, because it It
0: it gets absorbed in a different way, Mm. right? Mm. Mm. In terms of sound... And then you're not counting bars and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. There's There's so many cues in a song you know you're sort of told not to rely on other people's cues but if the song's in you then you're not relying on other people's cues you just have more hooks to to hang on to you're like oh is this the end of the chorus well no because that's not the lyric at the end you know what i mean you kind of got that in your head so you kind of um yeah in In
0: terms of sounds when you Mm. um when you got the because like we're both like good friends with Nick Wells, right? And Nick was yeah. like you've got to you've got to ask him about effects, man. You've got to ask him about <laughs> effects. But how did and we're going to get on to that, but how did um using effects first w- when was the first introduction to that for you?
1: Um I think it was going into the audition for that Christoph gig, that Christoph Willem gig. Yeah. Um because I knew that they were more than they were after someone who can really play. They were after someone who would nail the sounds because it was quite electronic. Um, they wanted someone who, was, who would play bass and play a bit of synth and and be detailed with the sound because they really wanted it to sound like the record. Yeah, get the actual
0: right sound. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I knew going into that that um, I'd have to focus on that, which I I had done a lot of before. Um, the, the original bands I was in, I. I was, quite, um, I was really into pedals and kind of um, triggering loops and all that kind of stuff while playing.
0: Right, okay.
1: And, um, basically trying to do, because we'd make music that was kind of electronic, but we wanted to do as much of it live as we could, so we'd have to invent ways of kind of doing that. So all of us would pitch in and kind of, it wouldn't just be the drummer or the keyboard player sort of doing everything. Yeah. So I kind of felt comfortable um, with that, like trying to get sounds and, sort of applied that knowledge, I think, from what I had sort of experimented with as a teenager. And, you know, it's, it's funny, like, um, now, I'm going to sound old, but, you know, with the internet, you can find out pretty much anyone in the world's setup. There's a picture yeah, of somewhere yeah. Yeah, on yeah, Google yeah. of, oh, how they get that sound? And then there's, like, one of their techs doing a YouTube video on exactly their setup or whatever.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I remember exploiting the uh, the early days of... Looking dial-up of <laughs> trying to find like pictures of pedal boards and
0: really and,
1: yeah. oh, I really like this guy's sound how does he do that and sort of looking at a board and going I don't know what any of that stuff is you know and trying to try to work out all that stuff. but I really enjoyed that
0: kind and of what kind of stuff were you stuff. using to do that well um at that
1: time uh, with you mean with Christoph or prior to that
0: um prior to that and with Christoph and how is that Right, you know, moved on to what you use now.
1: Okay, early, early on, it was very, very basic, Um, like literally, like an overdrive, an OC two, yeah, and then I had, well, we we got this like little, um, like, MIDI keyboard and kind of put it, like, kind of wired it to um, to switch. and kind of made bigger samples and loops with my feet. So instead of like having it as a keyboard, we just opened it up and yeah. kind of put it into. I still, I still have that somewhere. It was, it was massive. And a friend of mine who's um, like a metal worker dude built the frame for it. Kind of, we put it in. So we, I was using that. Basically, I was using a computer. I was using a computer essentially, yeah. and then triggering stuff from there. Yeah. Um, and then playing bass on top of, of that kind of thing. So it was
0: like a slightly manipulated bass sound, but a lot of triggers on top of that.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, I suppose, fast forward to Christoph, it was more like, again, very simple, but um, I think I was then getting into synths a bit more and realised I really can't get this sound with the bass or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I have to kind of get my head around this stuff. Which I still don't think I'm any kind of amazing programmer or anything synth wise, because that's that's a whole rabbit hole. That it's you like can, a technique you know, in itself, yeah. isn't that's it? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I suppose to now, I think I have a lot of pedals that I use a lot of the time. And so that's ended up, I've had lots of uh, sort of um, different boards and different size boards. And for this gig, I'll use that board. For that gig, I'll use that board. I need the big board for this gig. And so okay. I'll constantly be ripping pedals off different boards and kind of putting them together and and stuff like that but I think I've settled on I'm saying this now and I've only actually used it (laughs) on two gigs Um, but I feel like I'm getting somewhere closer to something that could be semi-permanent so for example I use um, an Aguilar Tone Hammer and a Kelly 76 um, compressor and a tuner on every gig that I do so that's on a small little pedal, uh, pedal train thing yeah so that, that that's in a little bag. I can take that anywhere and, and do any gig if I don't need any effects. And that now fits into my bigger board. So rather than me having to put things on and take it off, I can just literally lift it out and put it back on.
0: Yeah.
1: Which has... So this is the thing that I think, crossing <laughs> fingers, will have some longevity in terms of covering as many as, uh, as possible. No pun intended, obviously. But um, so... OC2 obviously, I, I I love them. I, lo- I love the OC2. I love what you can do with them. There you go, <laughs> there you go. I love the sound of it. I love that you know turning your your input all the way down and turning one of the octaves all the way out. It's all just up, yeah. it's just so simple and it's such a great sound. Yeah. Um, uh, then there's Sansamp, the programmable bass driver. Yeah, DI yeah, thing yeah. so it's got yeah, yeah, three yeah. different buttons on it, which I I like because you can have three different types of overdrive,
0: yeah.
1: Rather than having to kind of bend down and sort of turn knobs and whatever. Um, what else? Akai Deep Impact. It's like a, it's great. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah.
1: no one needs to hear about that. Everyone knows about that. Yeah, and, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. I wish I bought two when I bought one because the price of them now, Future Impacts now, out now. So I probably have to do that in case I need a spare. But, um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and a Mutron 3 envelope filter.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, which is great. And um, I've got a Diabolic uh, fuzz um, pedal as well, which is great. Yeah. And and I also use a bass wire, like a Dun- Jim Dunlop or whatever it is. Oh, okay, Gym okay, do- yeah. Jim yeah. Donlop, isn't it? Yeah, bass wire. Just because there's lots of um, stuff that... There's, for example, a whole section where the drums and everything is just filtered down and then it slowly opens up, up throughout Sage or whatever. so you're I always felt like I was that. really sticking out. Yeah, really sticking out and not going with that kind of, the effect was kind of lost when I was just playing quieter and then louder. You know? yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just trying to sneak, just trying to work out why does this not sound right? And that, I feel like that's quite an effective way to do that. you can get it.
0: Yeah, just to to fill the guys in. Just to fill the guys in, obviously like a lot of the gigs that you that you do, you're given the obviously you know the recording and it's and it's Mm. a lot of it's programmed, isn't it? So yeah, you have to figure out if it's, you know, if it's going to sound right on bass and how to do mm. that, how to make, you know, get that album sound via your instrument or whether it needs to be synth. And you do play synth as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Like, do you instinctively know? Do you listen to a record and think, no way am I going to be able to do that on a bass? Or is there sometimes where you're like, eh, mm. I might be able to do that on a bass. If not, I'll do it on a synth. And do you always gravitate to the bass first, or not? Oh,
1: 150,000 billion percent, (laughs) I will gravitate to the bass first. Um, Yeah, so, what I do is, um, I'll hear something and I'll kind of go, okay, I'm going to get as close as I can with the bass, um, but then I'll actually try and get the sound properly with the synth, because... And then in rehearsals I'm gonna play bass. So you know, when it's you know, it's like you know, you open up a, a new song to play and it's like, okay, so the drummer might have a bunch of triggers that he needs to get, so he gets those sounds, he loads them into his whatever he's using. Um, uh, but, you know, so it's like, oh, if it's a if it's an unusual bass sound, if it is a synth bassy sound or it's not yeah. just a normal sort of bass sound with a bit of drive or whatever, you know, that would be easy to to get, so I was like, so so, dish. What have you got for bass kind of thing, that kind of vibe? And um, I go, oh well, I've got this, and I'll play the bass first. And I feel like most of the time, I don't know whether it's just the vibe of a bass player playing bass. You know, obviously, there's times where it's like, nah, that's that's really not working. You know, and, <laughs> and you know, it in the room as well, because you know you know what it's like where you, you do something in, at home and, and you think, okay, that sounds great. And then you get into the room and you're like, wow, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely not going to work. That's not the vibe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, also things being live, people are more lenient. It's not really a word, but like open to a sound that's, that has essentially the same effect, but isn't exactly the sound you know there's some sounds where it is like that has to be the sound yeah, because yeah. that's a massive part of the song sure but there's a lot of times where it's like oh that's not what's on the record but that's great sound for that and it really adds something to that section or whatever you yeah. know it's up to the mds mds isn't it at the end of the day yeah, you have yeah, yeah. just got to present your sound and play it as well as you can and then hope that you can get away with playing bass <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> hopefully they'll take the bass sound over the synth <laughs> exactly yeah exactly. have
1: you played synth for ages like, is it- no man i am um, i mean i sort of learned piano as a kid i kind of was forced into piano lessons as, as as a really young kid and so i kind of learned like really basic technique and theory and reading and stuff
0: yeah
1: but um i in terms of um playing and programming <laughs> science, i'm fairly new to it i'd say probably um from maybe like 10 years uh, i've been yeah. doing that you know is just so, something
0: that you thought you, you you needed to get in your skill set to
1: definitely yeah. definitely yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like you said more and more you hear, you hear tracks that we really like synth bass and that one's synth bass and that one's synth
0: bass you yeah. know
1: so and th- there's some amazing sounds and it's really fun to play some of them so it does have a lot of sort of satisfaction
0: if you can yeah, kind of Mini get the sound
1: right. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, the crazy. It's, it's a big sound. Yeah. And what do you sort of like when you're like with your bases and stuff like that, are you generally are you like a one bass guy or do you swap between, uh, you know, a myriad of different bases? Mm. Like what, what's going on in that department?
1: I'm, I'm a real one bass kind of guy. I am um, for most of the gigs I do needs a five string it seems to be you know
0: yeah
1: um there's a lot of stuff that's that goes down to that low b string and so i just use a five i use my music man stingray pretty much all the time all the time and unless i can get away with a four in which case i'll always use my p bass so
0: do you prefer the four
1: i really well the thing is i really love my p bass i really love playing it and i really love what i get back from the instrument (laughs) yeah and it sounds quite whatever cheesy or whatever but like um, oh man
0: I'm, I'm super into p basses there's nothing like a p bass it, i don't know why it feels you know. great to play yeah. some
1: people
0: hate them you know it's weird i, I, I it, hated but... them that's a bizarre thing I, right. actually, I really hated them years ago and then i've just got this like huge love for them now yeah, right. it's just, yeah and it's just like for me there's nothing just like tone it's like it's the tone but it's the way the instrument actually feels when you exactly. play a note there's some sort of like i don't know it's weird I can't even tell it you it gives you a lot
1: back doesn't it yeah it gives you a yeah. lot back when you play
0: it i imagine it's the closest you'll ever get an electric bass to feel like th- when you're playing an upright
1: I like yeah that. i agree
0: in fact i know a great upright player i can't remember his name but a slovenian guy um that I've, pl- I've hung around with a lot over in slovenia and he he's a, he's like one of the super you know he's in their um their tv orchestra and stuff like that He's phenomenal okay. player and plays loads of different basses. But he Mm -hmm. always says the P bass is the only thing that really responds in the way that an upright does. So maybe it's something to do with the bulk of the wood
1: and
0: something. Leo Fender got it right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Mate, they really did. I've said that so many times. They got it right back then. And um, I don't feel like it's been touched. But then I wonder whether that's because we've heard them on so many records. Possibly. Whether just because they're older. You know, mine's 63, so it's old. Stuff happens to the wood, doesn't it? You know, after, yeah, yeah. after time. I don't know. I do I really, I don't know what it is. I don't really want to know in a way. You know, I wanted <laughs> to leave it as a, like a, some kind of magic. Yeah, some sort of like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll play that anytime I, I can. Um, it's my go-to bass when recording and stuff like that as well. It's it just sounds right on so many different. Do things.
0: you have to take into consideration when you're? I'm I'm, I'm focusing on the effects and stuff like that because I know you mm. know you know that stuff that world inside out. Um when you go between an active bass and a passive bass, do you have to take that into consideration with your effects? And and what does it mean? Like what what do you yeah. have to take into consideration?
1: I just use a little um boss line selector. Uh, uh.
0: The switch between the two? To
1: boost pedals, yeah. So when I pick up the P-Bass, it's going in at a higher level to the to, to the um, active. Um, I'm sure there's better ways of doing that. I don't know. I mean, for me, with pedals, like I think really early on, I wanted to get everything so that I had everything. And I realized pretty quickly, first of all, that is really bloody expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, you kind of just need to get what you need for the gig. Yeah, yeah. So you might be in a gig and being like, oh man, I think like, like that, for example, I'm, I'm plugging my P bass in at such a, so much of a lower level than my active bass. How do I get around that? And then you find the solution to that. So you've got that or you go, oh, how do I get this sound? You go, oh, that, that's this pedal. Yeah. So you get that pedal, you know. Um, I feel like it's better to do it that way around. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: It's definitely better for your budget. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and are <laughs> you very much a single
0: board. pedal guy you're into sort of like single pedals and not effects units and things like yeah that? i've
1: never really used any effects units before i don't know why um um uh, yeah i don't know i've always gone for the single pedals i don't for some it's just something that i've always felt it's probably not even true now but i remember when i was starting to get there weren't many multi effects units that were really good. Yeah, yeah. For example, if you, if you had, you pulled up a, like a chorus sound on the multi effects thing, it didn't sound to me as good as a chorus sound from a pedal that was a dedicated chorus pedal. I mean, now probably, um, you know, I've, I've heard guitarists that use multi effects things and they sound amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I'm sure now there's bass ones that are incredible, but I've never, I haven't really kind of, you know, it's, it's weird, like, you saying I'm really into effects and Nick talking about effects and all that kind of stuff, but I'm really not an an effects nerd. Like, I know nothing about any of the pedals. (laughs) I just know, like, this sounds like this, and this is how you use this one. And then I go, okay, cool. So let me plug that one in.
0: You just plug it, yeah, you just sort of like find out how to get that sound in an organic way.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, It's, yeah, it's, and I kind of, maybe I would benefit from really nerding out about it, but I don't really have much of a strong desire to do that. I think just I'd rather... Just keep on doing it.
0: what you're doing, man. I think you're doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just keep on doing what you do. And there's loads of these sort of, like, boutique effects builders now, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. like... I'm, I'm just getting into, into Instagram at the minute, and there's, like, a gazillion different handmade pedal makers from all over the US yeah. and all over the UK, like, all over the place mm. making these beautiful handmade pedals, and so, yeah... I, I don't even know whether to go down that route or not. I'm kind of... <laughs> like, yeah. I want to, but I don't, you know, I don't at the same time, because it could be just like a, you know, bit of a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of think... I don't know. Maybe it's... I've been thinking about this with basses as well. I've kind of played the same bass for a long time. And... It's a it's a bass that I enjoy playing at, but more than that, it's just it's just my bass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I wonder whether... Um, it would be good to check out loads of other bases and kind of find another one. And, you know, I think it probably would be, actually, now that I think about it. But, um, I'm, but I am I like, the I'm, same
0: about effects. I'm a one-base guy. I'm just sort of right. like, I'll find myself just playing, like, the same base for, like, I don't know, three years. And then maybe I'll change, but I can't really swap right. between... It feels like physically weird and uncomfortable just to keep swapping between lots of different basses. Yeah. And I fall in love with a bass. And like, I really fall in love with everything about it, you know. just yeah. like the P bass, you know, and I'm falling in love with them, you know. And actually, maybe it's just the. I don't know whether it's just our bass or a style of bass, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that I could play a lot of P basses and really like all of them, yeah, <laughs> you know. Right, but yeah. I do like, you know, I have got my favourite P bass and stuff like that. But um, yeah. I would absolutely love a 60s one, man. Ah. Uh,
1: yeah, I feel like, I feel like I have some kind of connection to this bass, you know, it's a December 63, I'm a December, you know, so both Sajis, you know, um, I feel like we've got a thing, you know. You've got a
0: thing, you've got a relationship <laughs> yeah. blooming. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why, why we work well together. But, um, I just, you know, every time I've played it, I've had, I've always had great feed, feedback from everyone, whether it's recording or in a band or whatever. Yeah. It just, it does something in the mix, you know, yeah. it, it really does. It sits in a really good spot in the mix and it's so satisfying when that happens, you know, your bass isn't sticking out anywhere, but it's weighty enough that, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about.
0: I know exactly <laughs> yeah. what you're talking about, man. Look, Listen, man. Yeah. where can people find you? Like what tours have you got coming up and stuff like that? I think we're releasing this in like, you know, like in about three or four weeks. So if there is sure. anything that you're playing on, you know, coming up, definitely let the guys know. Oh. I don't know
1: what I'm doing. What am I doing? Um, We're going to Singapore next month uh, with Kylie to do a gig, and um, I think that's pretty much the last thing with her until December. We're doing a couple of nights at Albert Hall for her Christmas album. We did last year as well. It was great. It was
0: so much fun. Um, for anybody in the UK the Royal Albert Hall is this insane venue it's probably the insanest venue in the UK right it's yeah, beautiful it was isn't it? wicked yeah. it was great
1: to play you know with strings and horns and the whole everything and just, yeah it was great it was lots of fun so we're doing doing that again this year I think um, apart from that before that I'm going on a little tour in Europe with um, Kim Wilde.
0: oh right yeah, next, yeah
1: I think October and then in November we're going to Australia um with that uh which would be nice get yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: go home <laughs>
1: yeah um and that's about it really have you got, uh, have you got a website with you? other little gigs and stuff but have yeah. you got a website um you know what the answer to that is yes but there's probably no point anybody going to <laughs> I, I don't think i've done it you know i actually um forgot to pay the um Domain <laughs> yeah, the domain registration. And so, yeah, someone's bought it. And so I have put a hyphen in between my names now. So it's <laughs> Deshaun hyphen Abrahams. But still, I haven't done anything. I haven't updated anything on that. I, I'm quite slack with it. I, I think, um, you know, it'd probably be good to sort of for me to sort of put well, some dates on there and you're, whatever, a busy you know. boy,
0: you're a busy boy put some dates on it for, so guys well depending on whether addition is going to do his website or not they're going to link it up anyway on the page on This will give the yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll hook that up have you got a facebook page and we can hook that up or twitter or anything like that
1: no i mean well and then just the usual instagram twitter facebook things but i don't have like a musician's page it's my own yeah, page yeah, but yeah. i use it i use it as a musician's
0: page well so. I'll, I'll stick all the links on anyway and i'll also if anybody's listening to the podcast i'll also put you've got a few videos on youtube where you're talking through effects and stuff like that right yeah uh, if anybody wants to check them out i know like of the master class that you talked about i think that's online so i'll right. put that where's the master class musicians institute was it um
1: hmm, i did one at bim in uh in Manchester,
0: yeah,
1: with actually the one in Manchester was with the other guys in the Kylie band and with the Kylie's drummer in um, ACM. Oh, is the, that um,
0: is it? it? was ACM, ACM. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll and, hook um, them up in the links anyway, so like people can business, watch them on the page. Yeah, yeah. Wicked, anyway, Dijon, thank you so much for coming Mate, hanging out with you. us, especially after your long day of rehearsing no, with no Kylie. Worries. Everybody, give Dishon a big thumbs up or like or share or whatever you want to do. And, uh, and we'll see you next week for another podcast. Take it easy, guys. Cheers, Dishon. Bye. Thanks, man. Okay, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Deshaun. Again, you can find him via the links in the show notes over at scottsbassessons.com. Just go over to the site, select podcast in the top navigation, and you'll see his episode there, and you'll be able to check out the, uh, the links going to his website and all those shenanigans. But also I've put some videos on there as well where he's showing you around his pedal board, some really juicy stuff. And again, if you want to check out the uh, the video for that, if you're an Academy member, you can do so. You can watch the entire video version of that interview. And if you're not an Academy member yet, you can just go over and sign up at scottsbassessence.com. In a nutshell, it's the best online learning platform for bass players in the world. The step-by-step courses, live seminars every week, the largest online bass educational community in the world, and tons more. The whole nine yards. And... As I said earlier, we've got a special 30-day free trial as well running right now. So if you want to grab that, you can go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash 30-day. Now, thanks again for listening again. Next week, we've got another amazing guest. We've got the the one and only Brian Bella, who has played with Mike Keneally, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani. He's manager and bass player of The Aristocrats with Guthrie Govan and Marco Minimum serious serious bass player and a really really inspirational story as well something you know when I was in uh, interviewing him there was a ton of information about Brian that I, I did had no idea about how he ended up getting a job at the old um, cab company uh, and well amp company SWR right down pretty much making coffee for those guys and sweeping the floors and ended up uh, running the company and, and manning the, the, the takeover that f- when Fender bought SWR, he was the guy behind that. Really, really interesting. And then after that, giving it all up, concentrating on the base and getting gigs with guys like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. Really, really interesting. So I think it's going to be a killer, killer interview for you. And I know that you'll love it. So as always guys, other than that, take it easy and I'll see you in the shed.